your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. Welcome to our show today. The topic for today is methylation and the signs, symptoms, and health problems associated with the B12 deficiency. We'll also be talking today about melatonin and recent studies that have been showing its positive effect on children. And, of course, we'll be talking about glutathione because with these two doctors today, it just wouldn't be complete without talking about the connection glutathione plays in all pathways of health. I have two guest MDs today. I have Dr. Tim Guilford and I have Dr. John Hicks. And Dr. Guilford has been a clinical in clinical practice since 78. He was an ear, nose, and throat doctor who introduced complementary medical approaches to his practice in 1980, 1985. Not 1885. Tim. I'm not. I'm not. Gonna... <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> wow, you, you look great for your age. Um, he's been using nutri- nutrient therapies for over 20 years. He began using metal detoxification methods in 1995, and redisorbutathione was developed after years of clinical observation that individuals with toxic metal overload suffer from oxidative stress and need glutathione supplementation. And, of course, I have the wonderful Dr. John Hicks, and whose background is in pediatrics, but now sees patients of all ages and symptoms at his clinic Pathways, which is in many cities but based out of Wisconsin. Thank you, doctors, for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you. So let's start by explaining methylation, and I think if we start by explaining that, then we can go into the needs of methyl B12. Methylation is um, a big word that kind of leaves uh, a lot of confusion on first hearing. It, uh, it It's easier when one realizes that it's referring really to the movement of a, of a carbon atom around a, a small cycle in the biochemistry of the body. And um, uh, so it's called one carbon uh, biochemistry. Uh, biochemistry can be kind of boiled down to the, in some areas, the movement of electrons, in other areas, the mo- movement of a hydrogen, and this is really the movement of a carbon. Okay. And it comes in talking um, in regard particularly to the cycle using the amino acid methionine, and um, that's a uh, amino acid that's found in all foods and plays an important role um, in this process. And as the carbon moves around, it goes through a couple of uh, spots. Uh, the one people most often have heard of is uh, homocysteine. And so the way that this carbon goes from methionine to homocysteine and back again is, is really what the methylation cycle usually talks about. There's some other applications of carbons being put on things, but the cycle is important in creating the carbon to be available. Dr. Guilford, can you tell me, um, is this, is, is methylation pathways, are they blocked 
is it a matter of being blocked or is it a matter of the fact that they just are not functioning properly in people? Is it, where, where does the conflict with methylation come in? It, um, perhaps in both of those uh, areas, um, that cycle um, can be um, blocked if some of the enzymes in the cycle aren't working properly. It can also be blocked if some of the materials that are needed to supply um, the possibility for this to go around. And the most famous or best known uh, blockage occurs um, from the absence of B12, the vitamin B12 or and or the vitamin folic acid. When either one of those are not present in adequate amounts, the cycle can't work. And those two vitamins play a role in uh, handing off the carbon, if you will. They work kind of intimately together. Okay. Okay. So is this a good time to start talking about B12? Or is there anything else about methylation that we have to make sure the audience understands before we start talking about B12? Well, it's it's kind of hard to not... Um, when you think of um, B12 or uh, other vitamins involved in the cycle, it's important to realize that when they're not present, the deficiency states that occur, the signs and symptoms and health problems, are related not only directly to that vitamin, but also to this whole cycle working. Mm-hmm. And the cycle needs to continue kind of going around and around to really do its job. So it's almost interchangeable, but uh, the, most people associate the problems related to the specific uh, nutrient. Well, then, then the other pieces of methylation are the neurotransmitters, dopamine, epinephrine, and norepinephrine, and then detoxification, because methylation also plays a part in detoxing mercury, cadmium, and lead from your brain. <clears throat> so the methylation piece has a lot of different applications. Okay. So that's the whole B12 piece and all of that. Okay. So let's talk about this powerful B12, and let's talk about the differences in B12. And I, you know, even if we could even discuss food-wise of um, versions of B12 and, and why people are suffering in such deficiency of it, um, Dr. Guilford, can you explain, explain what B12 is, but explain the different formats that it comes in? B12 um, is um, a big complex molecule that um, was found to be needed. It was uh, research in this started back in the uh, 20s um, and then really picked up in the 50s as our technology improved. But basically what happened was they found that people that had um, anemia with large red blood cells um, needed... um, At first, they were giving them liver, and then finally in the 50s, they found the component in the liver that um, was needed turned out to be this vitamin B12. Intriguingly, in the extraction and isolation process, uh, cobalt was used as uh, one of the components, and um, so the material that they identified as B12 turned out to be called cyanocobalamin, um, with the cobalamin referring to the cobalt in the vitamin and the cyano to the color, the red color that goes along with it. Uh, it turns out that the co- cobalt portion of cobalamine is not used very much in, the, in our system. That is actually replaced by a couple of other um, materials, and the one that we have been talking about is the methyl group, the carbon replaces 
that cobalt in the center of this big molecule. So this molecule actually facilitates the handoff, if you will, of that carbon group, and that's why it's so important. What about the the cyanide piece of it of that too? I mean, isn't there isn't there cyanide in cyanocobalamin? Yes, but it's uh, I think that may be the only place in the body that uh, cyanide uh, occurs as a so it's considered a mineral as opposed to a metal. Metal is something that has no function in the body, where the, uh, in this case, the cyanide has a, plays a role in the molecule itself, but is entrapped in there, so it doesn't have any of the negative actions of uh, cyanide. Okay. So, so where we're at right now is, is that with cyanocobalamin, it's really not playing the same role, that it, or the, the complete role that it needs to play. With what we need, what we need B12 to do. Correct. Um, you really need. The, there's a complex interaction there, and if you're missing folic acid, or if you're missing, as it turns out, even glutathione, which helps stabilize that molecule along the way, um, uh, you don't. It does not become activated, and it's really not activated until it has the methyl group um, available in the uh, cobalamin molecule. So there's uh, increased interest recently in using uh, methylcobalamin to um, stabilize, uh, to, to provide the active co- uh, molecule. Is it a big price difference? Because you know every cheap vitamin in the world, if they're going to use B12, they all use cyanocobalamin, but it don't, you can really tell a company if it's good or not by whether or not they're using methylcobalamin. Um. I think that the problem lies in while it's less expensive to use the cyanocobalamin, it may not be as functionally active, and so right. you may have to pay a bit more because it costs more to make and to isolate the methylcobalamin. Yeah, I agree but, with that. But the, but the the cheaper companies are all using the cyanocobalamin. Um, that that tends what, to to what we see, and we always tell patients that you can tell a company who has really done their homework by just knowing what version of B12 they use in their multivitamins. Right, and you need to be aware of that or you, or you may not be getting it. Right, exactly. Cause, so would, you, would it be fair to say if they don't list the version of B12 they have in their vitamin, it's probably always cyanocobalamin because they're going to advertise the fact that they actually use methylcobalamin. I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true. Okay, so now let's talk more about methylcobalamin, its form of B12, and, and what, what it's doing. And how, and how is it isolated again? Can you say that one more time, Tim? Well, it was, uh, it was isolated uh, in the, uh, in the laboratory back in the 50s, uh, the, the complex science uh, uh, processes. It was a real step forward, and it was always associated with the function of um, these methyl small um, single-carbon molecules. Um, The scientists that uh, finally identified that uh, called it uh, cyanocobalamin. Okay, got it. And and they found that that they they could give this material. Before that, they were having to give big slurries of uh, of liver, (laughs) of fairly raw liver. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) That tasted good. and, And so it was a real advance when they were able to uh, provide the active molecule. There were actually two active molecules as far as the anemia was concerned. One was the presence of iron, 
but they still had some patients who became uh, persistently uh, anemic and uh, when they isolated this factor, and they could give it by injection, which was convenient, a lot easier than eating a lot of uh, chopped up liver. So we can eat things such as chopped up liver and lots of different um, foods. I know a lot of beans and a lot of green vegetables are high in B12. And are they getting the methylcobalamin? Well, they're high. Excuse me. They're they're, they're high in folate. The, the leafy green vegetables yes. are high in, in the vitamin folate, which is needed for the same cycle. But they're not necessarily high in the B12. Excellent to know. Okay. So what is high in B12 food-wise? Um, most of the proteins from uh, animal sources have B12. I mentioned liver, but uh, uh, meat, um, chicken, that sort of thing. Sure. Even, even clams, <laughs> I found, had a pretty, <laughs> have pretty really? high level of B12. That's good to know. All right. So, okay, so then we're going we're gonna to have to take a break in just a little bit, um, and we'll be right back. But um, is, is food a good place to get that? I mean, is, 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 is it almost always going to have to be supplemented, or can you get it from your food if you're eating properly and eating the right foods that are high in it? That brings up the question of absorption, which we'll ah, do next time. Well, let's not let's not go fast into that. Let's let's take our break now so that we can get in there because I really want to talk about the absorption, and that's how all of this is going to be related in many different ways to glutathione and also the detoxification. And so, um, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we will have um, Dr. Tim Guilford and Dr. John Hicks talk a little bit more about B12 and how this all works into our body. We'll be right back. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virostop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com ReadyZorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying.
detoxifying normally. ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical free. And there's no sodium benzoate in ReadySorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the Fine Gold Program. Ask your doctor about ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.redisorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy. I am back with Dr. Tim Guilford and Dr. John Hicks, and we have been talking today about methylation and learning a lot about methylation. I know I'm learning. I learn something every time I talk to you, Dr. Guilford, because... Uh, you have great ways of explaining this whole, the biomedical understanding of this, this process. Um, but right now we just started talking about B12 and ways that we get B12 and the difference between cyanocobalamin and methylcobalamin. Um, and going back to talking about the um, methylcobalamin, we're talking about foods and foods that are also high in B12. And then Dr. Uh, Guilford had mentioned so much of this has to do with absorption. Can Let's pick up from there from absorption. The, the, the classic um, uh, problem related to B12 is that, um, that we don't, act, our cells in our body doesn't make it. Um, it. It's kind of fascinating that it's actually a bacterial uh, process and the available B12 for, that gets into meats and things like that are actually manufactured in the, in the animal's uh, bacteria in their gastrointestinal tract. Humans do that also in, in certain portions of the gastrointestinal tract, but the majority of the B12 that we use is supposed to be absorbed out of our food. And some problems arise because the B12 has to be uh, separated uh, from the food by uh, acid in the stomach. And so if you have uh, low acid, um, you may not uh, break the B12 away. And then there's a secondary factor that has to attach to the B12 that allows its absorption uh, lower down um, in the small intestine. So there's a number of complex interactions that are required to make B12 available. And uh, many people, especially if they've had a problem with gastritis. Or right, or on, anti- uh, on antacids, that would pretty much kill your chances, wouldn't it, of it, absorbing it? It really does, yes. And there's, an, and there's another confusion that occurs with B12 that, that I'm finding. And um, when you read about B12, it's supposed to be stored at high levels in the liver so that you can go long periods of time um, without replacing B12. And while that's generally true, I have seen patients who became so deficient that um, even when we were replacing it with uh, injections, they... Um, required injections fairly frequently. Most people just need um, injections, uh, for example, twice a week for three or four weeks and then, and then maybe once a week for support from time to time. But I've seen individuals who need much higher concentrations on a regular basis mm-hmm. uh, to remain stable, and I really don't have a good explanation for why that's happening. But there's quite a wide, wide range of requirements. 
Dr. Hicks, do you have any theories on that? Well, that that has been one of the big pieces that we've seen <clears throat> with a lot of the the patients that we see is that some of them are once a week for a period of time and then it spreads out, but others are every two or three days. And you're dosing them at 75 mics per kilo, so they're getting significant quantities. Um, Dr. Guilford, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it because um, I think it's an important one to, to talk about. And let's talk about my son, Joey, who... Um, had severe, severe autism, who's doing phenomenally great now, um, but I've been through quite a bit of a process with him. And when I first started learning about B12, and we're talking, boy, eight years ago, maybe started trying B12 with him initially, um, he went completely nuts. And the, t- the doctor at the time that I was working with, which is not my now husband, it was another doctor at the time, said, yes, but our lab tests are showing that he really needs these very B12 deficient. And this child needs a lot of B12, so you need to keep giving it to him even though it's making him nuts. Well, you know, instinctively I knew something was wrong because it was making him so unbelievably hyper. Um, I know the reason for now why that did that to him, but I'd like for you to explain to people why my son at that time, even though his lab tests were saying he needed it, couldn't do it. Uh, was he taking the cyanocobalamin? He was... Um, or the methylated... Component. You know what? It really didn't matter. Okay. Um, any form of bees, any form of bees was making him crazy. Well, there's a number of explanations for that. Uh, some people can actually be sensitive to the B vitamins, and that creates a lot of confusion. And, and in those people, sometimes starting with a lower dose and using techniques that help calm the uh, sensitivity down can be effective. Um, the other thing is that you turn on this uh, cycle... Um, and it's not completely turned on by adding the uh, the B12 back into the cycle. While things start to change, it's a little bit like starting a uh, a car that's been sitting for a long time. Um, all of a sudden, you get a big release of toxins and that sort of thing. And if there's if there's not a buildup of the materials that can help remove these toxins, then it can be quite irritating. Sure. And I think the, the combination of those two things is what causes people to have problems and. In my experience, I like, because this methylation cycle is important in making the detoxifying agent glutathione, and it does that by first creating homocysteine, and then the cysteine is used to build glutathione, um, I would suggest to people that they um, consider using uh, glutathione um, at the same time or prior to starting the methyl B12 but um, there's a number of explanations for why that can happen. Yeah, and and Dr. Hicks, that was Joey's big issue, wasn't wasn't it? Was that the reason he wasn't absorbing the twelve? Is because of his deficiency in glutathione? And well, yeah, we think that's what was going on. Because once he did get on, I mean, he takes um, B12 perfectly fine now, right. and um, with no problems whatsoever. But it was it was it's a matter of the detox, and that's something that we kind of are segueing to talk about now is the importance. Well, of keeping the detox working. Well, the other piece is when you think about methylation, it does start to chelate your brain. Mm-hmm. So for some kids, if they're very sensitive and have big issues with the glutathione piece and you're bringing stuff out and they can't get rid of it, that's a huge piece. Mm-hmm. So that's what what I've seen in that you know, you're going after it to help with neurotransmitters and that, but 
then what happens is <clears throat> if they've got a heavy load in the brain, then you're really starting to add you're you're adding more issues back for them to try to get rid of when they already have that issue. Right. And and finally there's a little known piece of the biochemistry which is uh, simple to say and co- a little complicated to, to actually see, but you actually need glutathione in there for um, cobalamin to work. There's an intermediate step between um, in the formation of cobalamin, methylcobalamin, in which glutathione gets stuck onto the cobalamin. So to keep that cycle working while it produces glutathione, you actually need sometimes an outside source of glutathione, kind of like adding... Uh, uh, water to an old-fashioned pump to get the pump to start working. Um, and that will keep that cycle going uh, round and round once you have an adequate amount of glutathione available and these available nutrients. So sometimes you have to uh, work with several different components. Scientists always like to see one thing added to uh, an experiment to see what the changes are, but in the methylation cycle you may need to add uh, certain forms of uh, folic acid, activated forms of folic acid, the, the activated forms of uh, B12 like methylcobalamin, and maybe even an outside source of glutathione to allow that cycle to keep itself going. Let's talk about the forms that you can have B12 in and the forms that both of you doctors recommend. Dr. Guilford, why don't you start first? Well, I've been working with, uh, when I began to realize the, the information um, that the methylated forms seem to be needed to, to activate the cycle. I, um, I had worked with both um, in, injection forms of uh, B12 and started using methyl B12 injections, and uh, we always we add that to, sometimes to the IV infusions also. Um, but I was fortunate to be able to put it into a uh, liposome encapsulation, which is, uh, facilitates the absorption of the material through the mucous membrane. So you can just spray this uh, in the mouth um, orally and uh, get the methyl B12 into the system. There are still situations in which um, inject- the injection of uh, B12 may have some advantage also of the methyl B12. Um, there, there are other forms of B12, just people will hear about them, the hydroxyl, the OH, hydroxyl cobalamine, and then another one called adenosyl cobalamine. Um, these should be formed by the normal action of the cycle if you can get it started. Uh, but uh, some people are also interested in using those forms. I don't have as much experience with those as I do the methyl B12. Dr. Hicks, do you want to comment at all? Uh, The one we use is the methyl B12. seem to get the best results uh, that, but we also uh, add folinic acid so that we have both sides of that uh, donation covered. And you have quite a few children on the spray as well, too, correct? The right. B12 spray. Correct. Right. What's the role of the folinic acid? Well, it works with the methylcobalamin, so there's cofactors. And like uh, Dr. Guilford was saying earlier, you need that folate piece. Well, if you can't convert folate to folinic, then you're going to have some issues with that piece. So that's why I just go to the activated form just add that. Why would you not go to the activated form? Is it just a matter of cost for these supplement companies? or it, it, It's probably cost at this point. Uh, the, these 
the awareness of the need for these things is only fairly recent. Okay. And right. so um, these products are becoming available, more available now. But when you're dealing with a complex situation like autism in which there may be uh, some genetic defects in the ability to form these activated forms, you're generally better off using them. The Redisorb, um, is, is, and what it's called methyl, is it called methyl B12 spray? or Methyl B12 spray, right. Okay, the Redisorb product that is a spray, what, taste-wise, how do, do, are kids usually okay with it? I've had really good feedback with that, um, um, with the taste, um, with the uh, methyl B12. Dr. Hicks, what about you? Have you heard good things about that as well? Yeah, and I really haven't had any patients that I've tried it that couldn't or didn't do it. Okay. All right, that's great. That's that. See, and that's so huge because the spray has just got to be so much easier for these parents, for the children that don't swallow pills, and to be able to get that in is just a wonderful thing to be able to do. Well, the the advantage um, with the with the spray is that um, you can give it as often as you need it and adjust the dose either up or down right. uh, as you need it. Uh, the nice thing about B12, which we should mention is the fact that it's a water-soluble vitamin, so you don't have to worry about it giving too much. The body will excrete what it doesn't use. Right. All right, we've got to take another quick break. When we get back, let's finish a little bit about methylation, but let's go on to melatonin because I think there's a lot being said right now about melatonin, and let's talk about the role of that in helping our children. We'll be right back with Dr. Tim Guilford and Dr. John Hicks. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Redisorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying normally. Redisorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical-free, and there's no sodium benzoate in Redisorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the fine gold program. Ask your doctor about Redisorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.redisorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B dot com. 
Living Your Power with host and intuitive counselor Diane Brandon breaks down the old traditions of taking what life gives you. Living Your Power teaches you how to have a life of success, happiness, and fulfillment. How to live your power, feeling vibrant and confident. Tune in Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern to Living Your Power on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. I am back here with the two amazing doctors, Dr. Tim Guilford and Dr. John Hicks, and we've been talking about Redisorb products um, and the Methyl B12 um, wonderful spray that they make. This has just been so educational for me, and I, I'm very so excited about this product. Um, if, before we, we move on, is there anything anybody else needs to add about um, Methyl B12? Because we are going to talk about the glutathione piece with it, but... Um, other than that, as, as doctors and all of these children that you're seeing, I would like to know who you're finding is some of the most deficient cases of B12. I can give you a great uh, case. Um, first of all, I want to remind myself that the flavor in the methyl B12 spray is a cherry flavor. It's natural cherry flavor, and it's been very well accepted. Um, I I have a case of a, a, phys, a physician, an adult physician, who had been using um, antacids for quite a few years, and he became B12 deficient. And there are many, many signs and symptoms you can have from low B12. The, the thing that I think of first is uh, numbness and tingling that uh, can't be explained any other way, but uh, brain function and that sort of thing are prominent. And in this individual's case, he actually had pain-associated uh, chest pain and, and uh, would would uh, pass out, <laughs> he, wow. which, which actually has been reported um, in the literature. But the intriguing thing with him is, is when he figured it out, what the problem was, it took some time, but he started taking plain B12 injections and, um, and a, um, a some material to raise glutathione, and he actually felt worse. And I kind of wonder if this doesn't uh, represent some of the problems that uh, you mentioned earlier. With in my the son. Kids. Yeah, right. like your son. And um, he, when he came to see me, we started him on the Redisorb glutathione, and he would take it both um, uh, as a single dose in the morning, but he would put some in a water bottle and, and sip it through the day. And he said within two or three days he could tell a big difference. Wow. And he knew he was going to get better at that point. Um, he had uh, also a lot of chemical sensitivities, which had become prominent as his disease process uh, worsened. Um, in that he was had become very sensitive to chemical smells like perfumes, to the point where he couldn't sit in a restaurant if um, um, someone, someone came by with a perfume. Sure. He'd get a, a severe headache and have to leave, and that improved very quickly. Also, cool. And this fellow has been able to go back to work full time and has no residual deficit. So it's really quite a dramatic uh, illustration, and he had become. Not only was he low in his B12 measurement, but was also low in glutathione. So the sure. being able to, to support those systems is what um, really allowed him to return to function quickly. 
Dr. Hicks, do you want to comment at all on any patients in B12? Well, I've seen it sort of across the board. All the spectrum kids tend to be down. I've seen it chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. Uh, several of the cancer patients have had little B12. So <clears throat> it, it's, I, I think it's more widespread than anyone would really think. Mm. It's, and a lot of that has to do with diet, what people are eating. Yeah. And the, this whole antacid thing. People well, and the, them for years. Yeah. And the lack of... Um, Without pasteurized, without pasture-raised beef, the beef that's eating nothing but corn, and they're not getting the, the the B12 themselves, so they're not passing it on, and they're just you know these this, the, the cattle that we're eating that's in these from these feedlots are just really null and void of nutrition, um, which is you know is another proponent for why we should be eating pasture-raised beef, um, organic beef, but. Let's let's move on because we have so much more to talk about. And I think that's a really interesting point. Oh. And before uh, you know, I mean, do our foods have enough of these materials? But particularly, I, I wanted to not forget to um, make people aware that if they're eating primarily a vegetarian diet, um, a little bit of meat is not going to give them enough uh, B12, and they really need to look at supplementing the B12 and making sure they have the nutrients to make glutathione. I, I see this all the time if someone yes. comes in and gives me a history that they're primarily vegetarian. Right. It's a real trap for them. It, it really is. And, and so many um, children in dietary counseling that I do are not, they're not eating meat, not necessarily because of vegetarianism, but because they're just choosing not to eat meat and the parents aren't pushing it. And so, which is... Um, you know, and even if you follow blood type diets, which you know I slightly do, my son may not—he's an A, so he doesn't. I don't necessarily give him large amounts of beef, but it was really the beef that he needed so strongly to be able to help catch his B12 vitamins up. And um, when he was so sick and couldn't detoxify anything, and 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 the, you know having the beef was like the one thing I could do to help him naturally get up his. Um, methylation. That's very interesting, yeah. So, um, let's talk about this great new study. Now, there's a new study just recently done on melatonin. Can you talk about that, Dr. Guilford? Well, uh, the parents of children with um, autism have always been looking for some way to help calm these kids um, a a bit, especially in the evening. And um, so, many people have begun using melatonin and they actually had found it uh, useful for this application, but there was always a concern about whether it was safe or not. And uh, just recently, in January 2008, a study came out in uh, the Journal of Childhood Neurology that went in and looked at uh, the charts of uh, doctors who had been using uh, melatonin in their practice with children. And they looked at over uh, 100 uh, children ages 2 to 18 who had autism spectrum disorders and were being given uh, melatonin and they found that uh, it was very safe, that it actually, um, sleep became uh, no longer a concern, that their sleep was improved uh, in, in generally uh, is the categories that they were looking at. And um, uh, 25% of them reported, uh, no longer reported sleep problems at the follow-up visits, and about 60% actually had improvement. And there was no problems with uh, using melatonin. So... Uh, even sometimes with fairly high doses. 
And that's my big question is the dosage. And I do give melatonin to my children um, um, at nighttime. I have two. I have one that's like me who falls asleep with no problem, but then I have two of them who just have a hard time. Joey, which is, it's so funny, I was joking about, because, you know, when he was so severe, he used to scream himself to sleep. Not cry, but scream himself to sleep. And now I have to give him melatonin because he won't stop laughing at night. He, I just, he's up there in his room just giggling and giggling. It's like, oh, my gosh, Joey, I'm glad you're happy, but go to sleep. <laughs> so lately I've been giving him six milligrams of melatonin. Uh, and how, in, your, in your comparative studies, is that on the low or high range? Well, in the study, they... Um, the total dose varied from 0.75 to 6 milligrams, and the, the age group was up to 18 years, so okay. that dose is probably in concert with what other people were giving. Yeah, he's 14 years old, so um, I'm... Now, here's the thing with, with melatonin that um, has always been an issue, is that it works super well for children who just need help getting to sleep but it is not going to help with staying asleep because it really only lasts. Does it only last about four hours, or is there something different with the Redizor version? Well, we've been, uh, we've been using, again, a, a liposome-encapsulated melatonin um, that um, you can spray in the mouth, and uh, we find it works very uh, quickly. People report, even adults who've taken large amounts, three to five milligrams of uh, melatonin, have reported benefit with as little as one or two sprays, and there's there's uh, 500 micrograms, half a milligram in the in each spray. Um, okay. It it is not necessarily going to last longer, um, however. But uh, many of our adult patients uh, just keep it by their bedside, and if they wake up in the middle of the night, oh, take another sure. spray, and they can go back to sleep. Yeah, now that that, yeah, that definitely... might be a useful strategy. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I've had uh, a, a couple nights in my life, probably more than a couple, where <laughs> where it's uh, 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning. And, and the thing is, because of its cycle only being about four hours, you know, it's a cutoff time as to when I will give it to the kids. So if if Joey wakes up at 3 in the morning, yeah, I'll give him some. But if he wakes up at 4 in the morning, that's my cutoff as to when I won't because then I'm you know, I, I don't necessarily want to have to wake him out of a dead sleep in, in two hours. Right. And so, that's, that's appropriate also. <laughs> the interesting thing about melatonin is that it has, um, you know, while we all think of it as a sleep-inducing agent, um, uh, which it is, um, uh, it also is a very powerful antioxidant. And that's that's... That's the neat thing about it is that it does have so many good benefits to it. Dr. Hicks, you use it quite a bit as well, too, don't you? Yeah, and then what what I'm usually, that's sort of my bridge to figure out why is there melatonin low. And that tends to be linked with low serotonin. So okay. as you work on the serotonin, then typically you'll get the melatonin up. And then it's not something you have to, have to do every day. It's something that you can use as you need it. Okay. We're going to take one more uh, quick break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Tim Guilford and Dr. John Hicks and talking about glutathione. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Redizorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying normally. Redisorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical free. And there's no sodium benzoate in Redisorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the Fine Gold Program. Ask your doctor about Redisorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.redisorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B.com. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Let's face it, hormones happen. Whether you are male or female, hormones have an impact on your overall well-being. Dr. Hart brings to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel timely topics that answer your lifelong questions about hormones in men, women, and teens. Tune in to Optimal Wellness every Monday at 12 o'clock p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Optimal Wellness. Live life well. Live life long. Live life to the fullest. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. And we are back with Dr. Tim Guilford and Dr. John Hicks, and we've been talking about many cool things today, including methylation and the extremely important role of um, um, B12 and those signs and symptoms that come along with that. We have just finished talking about melatonin and what a wonderful sleep inducer as well as an antioxidant that melatonin is. And, you know, one thing I I wanted to say before we move on to glutathione, Dr. Guilford, is so the Redisorb is an actual spray again. Once again, does that taste like a cherry or? Yes. Um, Well, uh, each one of these has a slightly different flavor. The methyl B12 uh, is more cherry-like, and um, the melatonin has a slightly different flavor, but it's uh, very well accepted. Okay. The sprays are just such such. 
a great concept. I, I, I'm I thinking right now that for my one daughter who does sometimes wake up in the middle of the night, what a good idea. I'm just going to have her keep it by her bed so she doesn't have to come downstairs, get a glass of water and, and a melatonin. She can just quickly do a quick spray. That yep. makes makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. All right, let's go on to glutathione because you are two doctors, and the reason I wanted both of you on today is because you're both such huge, huge advocates of, to, as, of glutathione. Now, for anybody who is tuning in now or knowing that our show is going to be ending in about eight minutes, um, I have done a wonderful show with Dr. Um, Guilford in the past. It was done last year on glutathione where we really go into long depth about glutathione. So you can look at my, listen to my archives on Voice America. You can go to my website, which is Pathways med.com pathwaysmed.com and you can go to the archives of all my shows there and that show with Dr. Guilford is on there as well um, so because we're just going to have time to just quickly touch on glutathione right now but can you talk about the important the importance of, of glutathione in in 5 minutes Dr. Guilford <laughs> Well I appreciate that I, um, glutathione in brief summary plays so many roles in the body that uh, that uh, emphasize its importance. Uh, we break it down into talking about the fact that it's a key antioxidant, that it plays a big role in the detoxification, that is the removal of materials that have either uh, been used up naturally in the body or have gotten in there like toxins. And because of these roles, it ends up playing a uh, significant uh, role in um, cell signaling, meaning when it's low in the immune system, it can um, signal the immune system to become more inflammatory. So uh, glutathione, by playing all these roles, it plays a very important body in keeping our cells working on a normal basis. And uh, um, because it's involved in the mitochondria and in their ability to make uh, energy, uh, sometimes um, I think of uh, using glutathione or, or need for glutathione when people come in with uh, fatigue as a symptom, for example. And certainly when they come in with chronic inflammatory problems, whether it's allergy or sinus problems, um, that sort of thing, even asthma is associated with chronic inflammation. And uh, it turns out that that's very common in these kids with the autism spectrum disorders, for example. Um, glutathione is used in the lung to protect the lung tissue, it's also used in the gastrointestinal tract. And so I've had a number of people tell me that they have seen uh, gastrointestinal function, whether it's uh, one extreme or the other, actually go back towards normal function uh, after initiating uh, the Redisorb glutathione. And Dr. Hicks, you do a lot of DNA testing, which tests for the presence of glutathione. And so you, you can, can you speak firsthand as, as to how deficient many people are? Well, you, you can actually measure the <clears throat> levels in the blood, and most of the ones that we end up uh, seeing and working with have have very low levels. So you know that's already an issue. And then in the DNA, glutathione as transferase is how it's used to bind to other things, and that's very low. So their ability to get rid of stuff is really greatly reduced. So they right. tend to accumulate. Right, right. So, uh, Dr. Guilford, Talk about why the Redisorb glutathione is so tremendously unique and wonderful. Well, we've been, we were fortunate we were able to get a stable uh, liposome that will keep the glutathione stable. 
um, in a, a liquid that can be stored at room temperature. Uh, prior to having this available, there really weren't um, any good ways to get the glutathione into the body because plain glutathione uh, gets broken down um, if you take it orally and doesn't appear to be as uh, well absorbed. There's there's uh, data suggesting that it's not well absorbed at all, and, and that has fit the clinical picture for a lot of people. So having it in the liposome that's readily absorbed, and that's how we ended up naming it Redisorb, uh, has been a big help and gives uh, often uh, we can begin to see improvement in problems um, as we are able to maintain the glutathione in a uh, normal state. You can see um, improvement in a variety of problems very quickly. Very good. Very good. Um, Dr. Hicks, wh- wh- where are you using it mostly? Well, it's pretty much across the board. Most patients I see end up having very low levels and other issues, so um, glutathione's going to help. Some of them can't quite tolerate it right at first, but that's really where you're going to end up going. And Dr. Hicks, can you talk about what you personally do to support the body while you're giving glutathione? Well, you want to make sure the cellular functions normal. You want to make sure that <clears throat> the liver is functioning normally because of its detoxification piece. If your liver can't uh, remove as much as you're pulling out, then you can definitely cause some issues. So you want to support liver function. So I usually do that with artichoke or calcium deglucurate or uh, depending on what's going on with liver function. But um, you just want to make sure that the body can handle what you're going to start to rip out. Um, Dr. Guilford, can you talk about other things that you may want to use to help support the glutathione to make it more active, to make it work better in the body? Um, I, I found that in some people, um, you have to start with a little bit lower dose if you, again, turn these uh, enzyme systems back on too quickly. Some people with a lot of toxins, uh, it's happily not very common, but we tell some people to start with uh, smaller doses start low and go slow kind of advice. And many times the glutathione alone is uh, capable of uh, restoring some of these functions. Uh, sometimes curcumin, uh, the herb, is also helpful um, in that regard. And C, isn't, isn't vitamin C help activate glutathione? Well, in the form we're giving it, it should be theoretically active, the reduced form. Okay. But you're right. Um, uh, what happens in, uh, with glutathione is it does itself become oxidized, um, and uh, supporting uh, the glutathione with vitamin C can be useful. I know you're involved, Dr. Guilford, in so many studies to help get this information out there to more of the mainstream medicine. Um, in the meantime, on, on the Redisorb website, is there good information that people can at least learn more about this? There is. Thank you. We have uh, both a reference, uh, a link to our uh, study, which was published that demonstrates the antioxidant and anti-atherogenic properties of liposomal glutathione in uh, both uh, in vitro studies with human blood as well as uh, a mouse model of atherosclerosis, if you can believe it. Wow. Uh, was, it actually slowed the progression in the, in the mouse model. Um, so we have that information as well as um, other references to published studies on the association of low glutathione in a variety of uh, disease states. We don't have information at this point that says we can solve those problems, but uh, 
we're working toward that. Well, I think it's it's only a matter of time, and I and I know the buzz on glutathione is, is getting bigger and bigger with every passing year. I hear it more and more, and people are starting to realize just what a, a, a panacea for so many people it can be. I want to thank both of you today for being on the show. You've both given us a ton of information. For people who want to learn more about Redisorb, you can go to their website, which is R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B.com. Dr. Guilford, Dr. Hicks, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. Okay, we'll be with you all next week. Thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.